everyone dreams of living an uncommon life. And the best asset you have to achieve your dreams is you. Welcome to the Uncommon Wealth Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living uncommonly. We're also going to give you some tools and strategies for building wealth and for pursuing an uncommon path that is uniquely right for you. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Uncommon Wealth Podcast. You know, it's hard when you change your name. It's hard when you change your name. It's hard when you change your name. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We're grateful that you're here. Uh, we like that we use the whole podcast Uncommon Wealth because that's what we do. We'll give you ideas uh, to be able to look at your money a little differently, to walk this path that you're uh, uniquely gifted to do, uh, financial advisors, and then we have a guest on the show. And before we start, before we get into the bio, don't you start that yet, Brian. Uh, we had a person that did business evaluations on the show last season with the Uncommon Life Project, if you remember that. Uh, they were from Principal Financial Group, and we were kind of jocking, had a great podcast. And at the end of it, I asked them, okay, like this is off air. How about you do a business valuation for us at Uncommon Wealth? She's like, oh, I'm sorry. We don't do that for financial advisors. And I was like, okay. And then Brian's like, what about this? And she's like, yeah, we don't do that for either. And so it was a small uh, quadrant, I guess, that she was actually wanting to do, which really frustrated us. Frustrated. So Brian calls it a small sliver. We actually have a person that actually does a huge sliver, if not everything, for business evaluation. He's on the show now. His name's Matt. Brian, give us a bio, and then we'll go into it. Let's do it. We've got the one and only Matt Fett with us today from BCC Advisors. Matt specializes in providing business valuations, go figure, for closely held companies for a multitude of purposes. We will unpack the multitude of purposes because that's a general statement, and we want to go deep today with Matt. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. That was an amazing voice, Brian. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting more and more radio, radio Brian versus yeah. normal Brian. Sorry. All right, Matt. How did you get into business valuations? And one, I will say, it is super valuable what you do. Obviously, you know that. But as business owners, sometimes we can just be putting our nose to the grindstone for so long, and we don't feel like there is really anything valuable there, which there actually really is. And at Uncommon Wealth Partners, we try to help people understand what that value is and how that helps them in retirement, because it does. It's an asset, and you get to help them quantify it. So how did you get into it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I graduated from Iowa State University in 2008. December, a cyclone. December of 2008. Yeah, it was a cyclone. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Brian knows. I quit my job in December of 2008, so I'm, I'm already tracking with you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a couple months after Lehman Brothers goes bankrupt, I graduated with a finance degree. Uh, nobody is hiring for finance, but um, ended up at BCC Advisors. They were looking for someone straight out of college, um, and I've been there ever since. So, thirteen years, same company, kind of the anti-millennial stance. But yeah, uh, it's been a great career. You know, thirteen years, I became partner. Uh, I think three or four years ago. Nice so, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been great. I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> no, that's great. Happy <laughs> Okay, how in the world, why do you think they would just went after somebody straight out of college? Like, that's a different approach. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, a, t a good employee in our industry has a, a background in either accounting or finance, but they don't know anything about business valuation. So you don't want to hire somebody from a CPA firm uh, that has four years of experience and wants right. a salary of a CPA with four years of experience. So we have found that hiring people out of college, training them, from the get-go, and business valuation has kind of been the best approach for us. I love it. Yeah. Okay. All right, so they reach out to you, 
And you're like, I've never thought about business evaluations, but it seems like right in my wheelhouse. Well, I actually, my least favorite class in college was doing valuations for businesses. Um, but it was more that I just don't understand it as well as I do now. So it kind of flipped my stance on yeah. that. It's kind of Things change when they start paying you. <laughs> yeah, then it's do. like, oh, maybe I like this. <laughs> yeah. And, and working with the business owners changes a lot, too, because you can actually sure. see the impact of your work. Ah, dude, that's a great point. How, when we feel like we were dealing with, like, it's just emotional. I'll just say that. It's emotional. Especially when they're at the end of, like, their career, and they start thinking about the next generation passing it on. Man, it's very, it's scary. It's emotional. And, like, Brian, I love how you say this. You say, it's kind of like a child. Like, you raise it up. It starts to walk. You remember the first time it rode its bike. You know, like, there's a lot of things and memories. Tell me how working with business owners and at kind of the end of the stage where they're evaluating it, how emotional it can be, and then maybe some tools to not make it emotional. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a great point. You know, the biggest hurdle for a lot of business owners is just, what am I going to do after this? Right. Um, and so, you know, if they sell the business, typically the buyer wants you to stay on for a couple of years. So there is kind of an off ramp there. Mm-hmm. Um, the last couple of months, a lot of the business owners have worried can I afford to sell right. because of yes. you know, the downturn in the economy? So that's kind of been a new thing to, to help people through as well. But um, everybody's different. Um, everyone has different hangups. Sometimes it's the control issues. Sometimes it's the financial issues. But um, we, we try to help them understand the, that there is, there is life after the business and yeah. you know, set it up the best to survive after you uh, let it go, essentially. Okay, so you got to t- horror stories. Give me a horror story. <laughs> <laughs> we're all get, thinking let's it. Let's just get right into it. Yeah, come on, Matt. Um, boy, what kind of horror story? Are you talking bad clients? Um, no, I. You know, everybody's people, and people are people. Yeah. But uh, like, <laughs> where a situation went south quick, and you just never could get it back, and it's just like hot mess express without throwing your whole company under the bus because it's here's it's emotional. So I know there's stories, and here's what I would say as being a business owner. You always value your business more than what you it's really valued as. Yes. So yeah. maybe I'm asking about yeah. that. A business is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a difference between price and value. Right. And sometimes having that there you go. discrepancy, people can't put those together. You know, recently I've had more than one client. I give them the value of their business. And they, they want me to add the value of the assets to the value of the business. And they just don't understand that that's not exactly how it works. If you sell the assets, you can't have a business anymore because you can't yeah. generate the cash flow that those assets have. Right. And so that's kind of been a hurdle for me recently that I've had three or four clients <laughs> struggling to understand. <laughs> yeah, it's like in life insurance. It's like, I want the cash value and the death benefit. Well, you're getting the death <laughs> benefit, and it's way more than you ever put into it. So it's kind of the deal. That's how it works. Tax-free. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's stuff like that. Just helping people understand that um, and then... You know, getting once you get past that step, then they can kind of fully understand how the business works. You know, if you're a buyer, what are you buying? You yes. want to buy the future yes. cash flows of That's the good. business. And so once they kind of understand that, then the conversations go a lot better. So we kind of talk about it. You know, we're in the financial services business, and by federal law, you know, you have to get a quarterly statement. There's no quarterly statement per se that comes in the mail and you can show your wife like, oh look, honey, look at the value of our business. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's hard. Like, you know, you we've been doing this now almost a decade. No, it's been a decade. And um, 
We don't get that like statement in the mail, you know, from principal since we were talking about principal. Like, oh, there's that 401k statement on the value of our business. It doesn't work like that. So what, when do you kind of start suggesting as a business matures to like, hey, it might be time to get a business valuation just to check in and. Great question. Yeah, it is a great question. And generally, in my experience, businesses don't get a valuation until they have to. You mm-hmm. know, I, I like to say that we help businesses in transition. Any kind of transition you go through, that's, that's typically where our firm comes and helps. Um, occasionally, we get people that just want to know. And we have a smaller, scaled-down analysis that we do for those clients. You know, kind of just give a range of values, do some calculation. That kind of helps them. Um, plan. Think, yeah, plan, exactly. And right. helps you guys plan, too. Yeah. Um, if they kind of have a better understanding of their business. You know, we've had a lot of business owners that they've had their head down working in their business their whole lives, and they come to us, and they don't even have a guess as to what it's worth. Um, and sometimes it turns out well for them, but a lot of times it doesn't because they're not doing the things that add value to the business. Mm-hmm. You know, they're running the business the way they think they need to be, but they're not thinking about adding value as they go along. The kind of, I think what you're alluding to is like the McDonald's, the e-myth, like the process, the manuals, the, the repeatable parts of the business that someone could come in and buy that business and keep operating it the same way. Is that what you're kind of alluding to? Yeah. Um, you know, one way that we like to like, so a third of our clients or maybe even more than that are ESOP. So they do have evaluation done every year. Because it's required. It is required. Yeah. Uh, and if you you know if an employee leaves during the year, they get bought out at the price that we value it at the beginning of the year. And so you know as we go in like year two, year three, they start to see the trend of the value, and we start talking about why is the value going up? What are the things that you're doing that are adding value? Mm-hmm. You know if we value it at five times EBITDA for every dollar of EBITDA you add to the bottom line, you're adding five dollars of value. I like and that so, number. Keep. Yeah. <laughs> keep keep saying keep saying your words, Flo. Keep yeah. saying your words. And, and so you know, once you get the management team, and then the management team starts talking to the employees about that, they you start to find that the employees start thinking about For adding sure. value in everything that they do. Yeah. You know, why are we printing all of this paper? You know, that's an expense that's decreasing value to the company. Nice. And so once once you start thinking that way, expense, how does that affect value? Income, how does that affect value? On that vein, I feel like if you're going to a realtor, they, what's your best bang for your buck? Kitchen. <laughs> or, you know, like master bedroom, whatever. Master bathroom. <laughs> what is the best bang for your buck for evaluation for your business that normal people start with or that you see in your business? Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times there's, there's overhead. They don't think about, you know, they have maybe they're overstaffed or mm-hmm. they're not price. A lot of our clients, right, I would say, I have seen some of our clients that don't track their inventory, cost of goods mm. sold. We talk and, about that all the time. I want to come back to that. Keep going. Yeah. And so if you don't know what you're paying for each part and the volatility year to year, or even month to month, you know how can you price that product on the back end and make sure that you're still making a profit on it? Right. Um, so there's a lot of slippage there. I'd say that's a, a good place to start if you're not keeping track of that. So one of the things, so I did uh, just shy, I think it was like a month shy or two months shy of five years at Deloitte & Touche, and we kind of talked about this before the show. Um, but we have a lot of business owner clients who are in the, uh, they're reselling stuff basically, right? Yeah. They do have cost of goods sold. They do have inventory. And the thing that we invariably come back to is, 
you know, kind of like the E-Myth, how much does the sugar cost in the pie? You know, if you haven't read the E-Myth in your business, you just have to read it. But uh, how much does the pie cost, the crust, the sugar, the flour, you know, whatever. And I think small business owners, they get in like, oh, I'm going to sell this thing. And they don't appreciate the cost of goods right. sold. They don't appreciate how to set up their P&L to understand their numbers, track their numbers. And, you know, what I kind of tell them is, the unfortunate thing is, like, especially if you're doing less than, a, I would say, a couple million dollars of revenue, you have the requirement almost of like a $10 million accounting system, but you're not doing $10 million in revenue. Like, if you really want to track the numbers, you have to operate like you're making $10 million. Otherwise, you probably won't get there because the, the death of a thousand cuts is going to just kill you if you don't know how much this stuff costs and what your truly profit is. So I, I appreciate you saying that. I'd love to see how you get it on the back end of like, oh, no, this is just how we do it. But someone coming in and buying that business, it's like, wait a minute, what am I buying? How much am I going to make? Yeah. Well, and the valuable part, I'll say where Brian and I are, is like we get a chance to change moving forward where you are kind of like, okay, we're at the three-yard line. Yeah. Like it would have been nice if we would have thought about this in the 40, yeah. you know, we, coming you know, in. We try to get clients early and earlier to start thinking <laughs> yeah. about it. And, you know, by the time they get to us, you're right. It's it's you're typically too late, but we rely on accountants, CPA, yeah. you know, CPA. Okay, back to this, and I don't want to bang this drum, but like it is emotional, and this is a way to make it unemotionable. Like, start focusing on the numbers. Start doing your cost of goods sold, your inventory. I mean, I love it. Brian. Brian's really gifted at this. So he did this with the client. And now, like, he has a different energy towards his business because he's looking at the numbers in a different way. Of like, Basically, he was ready to sell. Like, I, I'm not making any money. Yeah. Right. You know? And he wasn't. He kept drilling right? down in the numbers, down in the numbers, raise prices, raise prices again. Got it all. Now, boom. Monthly income. net. Net profit every month now, like clockwork. Dude, you know? it was two weeks ago. I saw him at a wedding, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm going to try to get this thing up to five hundred thousand. I'm walking away from it." And then this week, we had a conference call with him, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Like, there's no way I'm letting this yeah, thing go. I'm making so, money now. So yeah, that's encouraging. Sorry, just no, take it no, over. That's, that's I want to go back to the ESOP because I think there's a life cycle as a business owner. I wouldn't say we're there yet. I think we're getting closer to it where, you know, you have a closely held business and we're young and we're growing and it's good. We have a great team. And it's like, how do you keep that going? How do you maybe start to cash out a little bit, but you still want to benefit from the business? We're not done mm. yet, but you want your team members to profit. So maybe kind of walk through like when you start advising a company to look at an ESOP. I think ESOP's pretty popular. Uh, as a way to go and then kind of like let's kind of navigate some of these maybe subsets of ways to cash out but still run the business yeah absolutely um so esops typically are good for businesses you know the motivation people use to set up an esop they want to incentivize their employees they want to keep the business local you know if you sell into a, a private equity group they might shut down a plant in a small town and then the small town disappears right um, or they are they need to escape and there's no buyers essentially <laughs> right um, and, and so real quick can you just define what ESOP means just so our go. listeners yeah. are on the same page <laughs> for the yeah. Phillips in the world <laughs> <laughs> yep so it's an employee stock ownership plan got it and so there's a trust set up that owns the shares of the company and every year or month 
the company makes contributions to the trust and the trust releases shares to the employees. And so essentially there's a, it's like a 401k that is invested in the company. And so the, you know, when you get, when you retire, you have X number of shares. Um, We have a valuation done that year, value times price, and that's what you get paid out at. Hmm. So it's a great way to incentivize employees to stay with the business. Those people get it at retirement. They they can't just like pay out like, or buy out of it. Like, Hey, I'm 38. It's a great price. Let me buy out of that thing. Yeah. So, okay. um, incorrect. You know, if you leave, if you're fired, if you quit, if you go to another job, you get paid out the number of shares that you have. Okay. Um, but a lot of these um, are set up where they can wait five years, cash you out, and then pay you out over another five years, mm-hmm. which disincentivizes people to leave. Right. Whereas <laughs> if you know you had a hundred thousand dollars of shares set up. Yeah. You were, you know, you leave the company, start up a competitor, yeah. and they paid you out right away. Then you have the capital. So I think one business. of the, I wanted two things. One, I think one of the best ESOP companies, I think everybody would know, at least in the Midwest, is High V, right? Like they're, aren't they a true ESOP? They're not they? a true ESOP. Okay, but they are employee owned. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a difference. They're a little bit of a hybrid, yeah. but kind of the same. ITA Group, my first company that I came from, was an ESOP. Okay, and uh, every time they announced the ESOP number, like people were bawling and like, yeah. I was like, they won the lottery. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. It's powerful. What um, What are just the high level, top two, three, you know, requirements, barriers to entry to start the ESOP? You know, just keep it super simple. Yeah. So you need at least 20 employees. And that's a, you know, kind of a technical thing with, you know, you can't have one employee making over right. a certain percentage of, of salary. So you have to have at least 20 employees. You have to have a good management team that can run the business once the owner retires and leaves the business. And you have to have a decent enough value that it makes sense to pay the annual administrative fees. You know, you have to have a valuation done every year. Mm-hmm. Typically, you have an external trustee. So you, there are expenses associated with it. What does that look like a year? Just like ballpark? Like, just so... All in, maybe 20000 a year, okay. twenty or 30000 It depends on the size and yeah. who you're using and stuff like that. So. Gotcha. And then does how much of the stock does the ownership team or person have to sell to start the ESOP? Yeah, so in you're paying fees for a transaction, so it makes sense that you're going to do a big enough chunk. Typically, it's 20 or 33% um, would be the smallest that we would see. Um, there are ways to do it, kind of a backdoor approach where you don't have to do a transaction. You contribute shares of the company to the mm. ESOP, and it gets a little bit more complicated. Sure. Um, but a lot of the transactions that we're doing, they're going 100% ESOP right off the bat. Um, so one benefit of a hundred percent ESOP, if you're an S corporation, the tax liability of the corporation gets passed onto the trust. The Very trust nice. is a non-taxed entity. So essentially the company doesn't pay taxes. Wow. And nice. so they're la- they're able to accumulate a bunch of cash, you know, make acquisitions and it works wow. out pretty well. Yeah. yeah. That's actually really cool. Well, I think too, yeah. cause like, you know, you see publicly traded companies, you know, I think Facebook is probably like one of the best just because everyone kind of watched that happen. But, you know, waited a long time to go public. There's a lot of private equity money in there. Then finally went public. Made a lot of people a lot of money. But as business owners or small business owners of, like, privately held businesses, it's like, okay, we're probably not going to go public. But, like, what other options do we have? So could you just talk kind of high level about growing you know, we've had several business owners lately just like, oh, I need more capital. Like, mm. do I go hard money loans? Like, kind of, you know what I mean? Like, we're kind of in this weird no space where it's like, we're probably not going to go 
private equity or something like that. But like, we want to grow, we want to have capital, we want our team to do well. Can you kind of lay out that yeah. optionality? Yeah, we don't get involved with that, but <laughs> that's not us. Uh, but I mean, you can, I have seen businesses, you know, sell fifteen percent to um, like a merchant bank or something, or pri- you know, private investors. Sure. Um, s- sometimes the business owner, if they want to liquefy, you know, liquidate a portion of their business, they will have some of the management team buy in, um, and then that also starts the transition of you know transferring to that next uh, level of management. If they want to become the owners, um, so there are options like that. But you know, like I said, that's not something we get into as much. Sure. I can't be an okay. <laughs> Go talk to principal on that. One. No, <laughs> yeah. just kidding. Um, okay, so give me a ballpark of like the dumbed down valuation. How much does it cost to work with BBC Advisors, and then how much does it cost for like the full blown evaluation? You're at the end of your career, business, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So we offer essentially three tiers of valuation depending on the purpose. So if, if you're an operating business and you're doing estate and gift work and our report is going to get sent to the IRS, you need a full appraisal report. Yes. And so <laughs> you know, a report like that, typically ten to 12000 for an operating business. And that's okay. kind of just baseline, run-of-the-mill, yep. not a lot of complexity in your business. Right. That's um, like the Toyota Corolla or like the... Yeah, that's like exactly. The, that's the way they put it, yeah. yeah. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. He likes it. He likes it. <laughs> Um, so if you are, you know, two business owners and you're trying to do a buy sell agreement and you can't agree on the price or you're trying to buy out one of the owners and you just need a letter report, that's kind of our middle tier. You know, it might be eight to 10,000. Um, if you just kind of want to know what a baseline value of my business is, we do calculations and, and that varies kind of depending on what you want out of it. And if you want consulting on the back end to help you kind of understand it, it can be anywhere from four to eight, you know, probably. 8,000. Nice. Okay. And you do work with financial advisors. That was a question I didn't ask the principal. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. We, I mean, there isn't an industry that we, that we haven't done or I guess. What's the most quirky industry you've had to evaluate? Yeah. For a while there, we were doing a lot of ethanol plants, which is oh. you know, kind of an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. I did a lot of ethanol work when I was at Deloitte. That was when they were trying to go public and, yeah. you know, organize and. There's a lot of free money out there and cheap money. We'll say, but maybe put it that way. But yeah, yeah, that's and that's that's a tough industry because you're there's so much commodity based movement that yeah, yeah. You're essentially you're trying do they have a mechanism to lock in their margins? You know, month to month, year, year. right, right, gotcha. Okay, so when I you know you don't want them on the three yard line, so when would you want them? Obviously, to come in and then give our listeners a little bit of idea of like, hey, if this is you, come talk to us, kind yeah. of thing. Um, if, if you're planning to retire in the next five years, I think that's a good time to start thinking about what is your plan and we can help you be a part of that plan. You guys probably do more of the help once we, once they understand the value of their business. Um, but if you, like you said, if you come to us when it's time to, there's not much we can do to help you understand how to increase the value of your business, how to get it set up in a way that if you want to have an external buyer, you know, what are they looking for? You know, do you have clean financials? A business, real financials real financials yes <laughs> you know i can't tell you the number of businesses that come to us with internal financials out of quickbook and i'm like if you go to a buyer with this they're gonna they're not gonna trust the numbers right um so you know if if i'm gonna buy a business generally i'm looking for three to five years of historical financials and so you know if you can build on a five-year period mm. to really peak at the right point that's going to set you up for a good sale exit um if you're looking for an ESOP transaction, you know, 
the whole process probably takes nine months. Um, if you think your business is ready, you know, financially, you've set it up to in a good in a good point. We can get a transaction done in about a nine month period. Anything okay. shorter than that, and you're probably going to be pushing it a little too much. Sure. Um, I'm trying to think other scenarios. Um, if if you want to buy sell agreement, um, maybe you're an early stage business. You just started. You have two owners that don't don't necessarily. Let's see. Let me start. Buy sell agreement. You have two owners, and you're just starting a business together. Make sure you have a buy sell agreement in place because you don't know what's going to happen five years down the line, and you want to make sure that you both have an understanding of how you're going to be bought out if one of you has to exit. Mm-hmm. Um, we can set up either a formula or we can do a valuation and then just have the buy-sell agreement say that you have to have a valuation done and these are the parameters. Prior to, yeah. 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 Um, if you're an early-stage business, five years from now, your business is probably going to look a lot different. So if you do have a formula in place, you want to make sure that you revisit that buy-sell agreement periodically to make sure it still makes sense for how your business is. Sure. Now, does BBC Advisors, BCC, BCC, BCC Advisors, do they help people like acquire businesses and sell businesses like do you do all that yeah we do um so uh i'm on the business valuation side but we have three partners that do m&a work interesting they they help middle market businesses um, go through the full process so if they're getting ready to sell they'll go out identify buyers get them approved by the seller to make sure that there's you know no hard feelings between the buyer and seller it's gonna be a good fit they'll contact them they'll try to get you know, multiple buyers lined up, That's offer cool. bids, so it's an auction process to try to write, you know, drive up the price, um, and then they help all the way through closing, due diligence, everything like that. Huh. Very cool. What would you say is on the back end to like a business owner that's selling of like, mm. w- like we had a situation where a guy wanted to sell his business, and it was like, I would say ninety percent seller financed, and I was just like, dude. You're taking so much risk on this deal. Like and he was gonna sell he was gonna seller finance the building that the business was in, which is a separate asset, and seller finance the business. And I'm like Don't do this. And then he was gonna work there for like two or three years. And I'm like, this is a recipe for disaster. That's a lot of eggs in that basket. Right. So (laughs) you know, we ended up saying, Hey, keep the building, give the guy a first right of refusal, but make him sign a five year lease, keep that asset to your benefit. Yep. And then sell the business at market value and seller finance maybe 10, 20, 30% of it. Something like that. And they ended up closing the deal pretty close to that. Yeah. So kind of walk through maybe like what not to do if you're the business owner. Like, oh, I'm going to work for this guy for five years. Like, no, you're not. That's not going to go well. Yeah. You know, maybe if it's your son, but you know. Even that, I wouldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, it's pretty typical to have a, you know, a one to three year you know, where they stay on to kind of transition the business. Five year gets to be a lot. Yeah. If you're doing a 90% seller finance, you're getting none of the upside and you're taking all of the risk. So right. that doesn't make any sense. Right. So I, you know, the, the structure that you said um, makes total sense. A lot of times we'll see um, an earnout involved so that the buyer has some protection that mm. in, in case you don't, you know, right. they don't trust your numbers. You think the value's here. They think it's lower. Um, you can bridge that gap by an earnout, and then if the business proves it, you're still working in the business, so you can make sure that the you know they're not just tanking it for, for so they don't have to pay you. Right. Uh, but that's a good way to do it. Um, on ESOP deals, we've also seen a lot of clawbacks where if the business underperforms, 
they have the ability to claw back some of the purchase price. That's good. And it's kind of an offset to the uh, to the buy or the earnout. You know, typically it's both involved. Sure. Is it best practice to make sure they have like a first right of refusal if this thing goes south? Like the owner can come back and buy it, or like I'm not sure if I've seen that. You know, I okay. I don't work as much on the M and A side, but um, okay. I don't. That doesn't sound like something I've seen. Okay. Um, Good. You hear those stories though of like, but if you have owner financing, of course you, yeah, you're gonna yeah. get it back. But you see those where the you know I was True. just watching a video. This guy like sold his company to like AOL for like eight hundred million, and he ended up buying it back for like twenty five million. You know, six years later, and they ran into the ground. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think that's probably more the anomaly than the the standard. But, probably. Um, I just love business. I love talking business. I mean, you see a lot of different business. Like, what gets you excited about? business and you know obviously there's a lot of geopolitical economic stuff going on but you know people need stuff people want to do good business people need products like you know what are you excited about as you look kind of forward yeah i i love helping the small business owner mm. that is getting close to retirement and they don't have a plan yet and so i can help them understand the value of the business kind of give them advice on things that they can do that gets them comfortable mm. that they can you know feel safe to, to sell the business and they'll be you know financially set going forward. Um, I, I, I love the ESOPs that I work with. A lot of them are set up for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You get to see the benefit to both the employee and the seller. Um, it, it does seem like a win-win in a lot of those situations. Um, so those are the kind of things, you know, I like to see the, the happy ending at the end of the, at the end of the process. Sure. How do our listeners get to know more about BCC, you, how do they contact you, all that. Yeah. Um, so our website is bccadvisors.com. Um, well it, done on that, by the way. A lot that? of businesses, I feel like a lot of businesses don't do that URL thing right. You know, it's like, no, it's bccadvisors.com. Yeah. Great we job. do have one small quirk where advisors is spelled with an E. It's uh, a long, long story. You know, a website wasn't available. Yeah, probably Philip was the one who spelled it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we do have it now where either one will get it. We'll get you to the correct wow. website. Nice. So. Well, thank you for being on. Thanks for your expertise. And I know that it is super valuable to have somebody come in as a business owner and evaluate something they've been working so hard on. So appreciate all your hard work. Appreciate your insight and wisdom. You've been listening to the Uncommon Wealth Podcast. I've been your host, Philip Ramsey. And I'm Brian Dewhurst. Until next time, go be uncommon. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. That's all for this episode. Brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.